0: 10 this morning, 2 Corinthians 10 verses 1 through 13. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 1 through 13. Now, if you've never read 1 Corinthians before, uh, you need to go back and read it to really understand what Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians. Now, we went through the book of 1 Corinthians a couple of years ago and we finished that up. It's been it's been quite a while back. But if you want to go back and listen to all the sermons through that series, you can find them. ...at the church website, enterprisefathers.church, and click on the sermons. Uh, but I would encourage you to go back and read the book of 1 Corinthians if you've never read it, or it's been a while since you've read it. And it will help uh, help you understand what Paul is addressing and talking about here. Now, in 2 Corinthians, uh, he's, he's kind of going back on a few things that he mentioned in 1 Corinthians. Now, what he mentioned in 1 Corinthians was he, he talked about correction for the people who were living in some sinfulness... Uh, he helped them to better understand some scriptures that maybe they had misunderstood. He dealt with some things that were going on there among the Christians. Uh, he gave them some encouragement, some correction. Uh, there was a lot of good instruction that Paul had given to the people of Corinth in 1 Corinthians. And some pretty hard stuff he had sent to them as well. Well, 2 Corinthians is kind of a follow-up of that. So, Let's get into the text and we'll talk about some of those things that Paul is addressing here in 2 Corinthians 10. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for these good words. I pray that uh, we would all learn something from what we see this morning. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. I pray that you would help us to learn from Paul, learn from the Corinthians, God to be encouraged in in the good and to be corrected in the bad in our life, dear Lord, and help us to know the difference and be aware of things in our life maybe that shouldn't be there. I pray that you would just bless the reading of your word, dear Lord, that you would speak through me this morning. In Jesus' name I ask you, amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Now I, Paul, make a personal appeal to you by the gentleness and graciousness of Christ. I who am humble among you in person, but bold towards you when absent. I beg you that when I am present, I will not need to be bold with the confidence by which I plan to challenge certain people who think we are believing, or excuse me, behaving in an unspiritual way. Now, Paul is writing here, and he he comments on something about what he is like, and we're going to talk about further in this text as we get to it. But he says, look, I'm humble with you in person, but I'm pretty bold to you when I write letters to you. Now, he says, look, when I come to you, I don't want to have to come to you in person with this boldness. I want to continue to be humble when I come to you, but I will come to you in boldness. I will address things that are being said that are going on there. Now, what is being said and going on? He says that some uh, people think that we, that is Paul and those who are with him, other Christians who are doing the work, that, that they are behaving in an unspiritual way. Now, It should be pretty clear to us that as we look at scripture, uh, the New Testament, most of which Paul wrote, that Paul was a pretty godly man. And that's not to say that Paul was perfect in everything he did and he never messed up. I'm sure he did. Uh, but, But generally speaking, I think we can look at Paul's character and the work that he had been doing and was continuing to do for Jesus. And he was not acting in an unspiritual way. His only concern and main goal was that Jesus Christ would be And that God's word and what God wanted for his people would be rightly explained to his people so that God's people could follow that. And that's what Paul wanted to do. He wanted to make people followers of Jesus Christ. He wanted to teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ and make sure they were living it out in an accurate and appropriate and right way, the way that God intended. But some here were accusing Paul and those who were with Paul being unspiritual. Now Paul says, look, when I come, I don't want to have to address this. I want to be humble among you, but I will come in boldness if that is what is necessary, if that is what is required. Let's read a little further. Verse 3. For though we live in the body, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way, since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. And we are ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience has been confirmed. Look at what is obvious. If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, he should remind himself of this just as he belongs to Christ, so do we. Now, Paul knows that there is a battle that appears to be brewing here. And he says, look, even though we are in the body, we don't wage war in the flesh, or we don't wage war in an unspiritual way. He is saying that these battles that come, that these disagreements that come, that this tension that is there amongst he and other believers is a spiritual battle. It is of the devil. It's not something that is to be fought out with fists. And we need to be reminded of that, too. He says here at the end of this, he says... If anyone thinks he belongs to Christ, let him remember that so do we. Paul is saying here that these who think they belong to Christ, and maybe they were indeed Christians, Paul says we are too Christians. Now there may be occasions where there is a disagreement or there is a tension, or there is something going on among us and other believers our professed believers in which they are not Christians. Or maybe if we examine our life and the way we're acting, maybe we come to the conclusion that we are not Christians. But there are some instances where even Christians dispute, where, boy, the devil gets in there and there are are disputes and there are things that go on that can cause tension and cause breaks in churches and among other believers. But we need to remember in those instances that, look, we are a believer just as our brother and sister in Christ is a believer, and we do not need to wage war against one another, especially not in a physical sense. Now, we definitely need to be on guard that when Temptations and disagreements uh, arise that we're not uh, getting ready to punch each other in the face or do physical harm to someone. That's uh, clearly against anything that God would call us to if we love one another. And so even when we wage battle, we shouldn't wage it in a physical way, but we should know that we are battling in a spiritual way. That the things that tear tear us apart as Christians, the things that we fight and feud about, the things that oftentimes get us riled up and angry, are things that the devil puts into our mind. Our temptations that the devil places there. And so when we are uh, in these types of battles, we need to remember that it is a spiritual battle. It is not against flesh and blood. We should not be battling against our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we have a common enemy, that is Satan and that is who we battle against. And it's not a battle against flesh and blood, but a battle in a spiritual sense. And that's what Paul says here. Look, we we battle in the spiritual sense. What are we battling? He says we battle our strongholds. Well, what are our strongholds? Well, it's probably different for every one of us. There are different sins uh that are that are difficult for us to overcome now. There may be this sin and that sin. You may not struggle with it and I might. or there may be a sin that you struggle with that I don't, uh, whatever it may be. There may be some sins and some things that we are not tempted by, that we are not faced by in the least, that it's easy for us to overcome. But there may be others in which it is not easy for them to overcome such sins, but it may be easy for them to overcome sins that we are not able to overcome. So we all have these strongholds. Uh, the, the sins that I would call uh, what is being talked about in Hebrews chapter 12, those sins that so easily ensnare. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says to throw off the weight of those sins that so easily ensnare. Now, whatever that sin is that easily ensnares you, whatever that stronghold is, we battle those strongholds, not in a fleshly way, but in a spiritual way. With, with the, with the uh, fruits of the spirit, with the weapons of the spirit, with our, uh, 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 all the, the things that we do in God, that we, that we pray, with our faith, with our trust, uh, with all of those types of things, those are spiritual ways that we battle back and those are the things that we fight against. We see a list of that in Ephesians where he talks about put on the full armor of God. And we are to fight back against the devil with the full armor of God. And it goes through and it lists all those things. And they're not worldly things. They are spiritual things. And Paul says that we overcome our strongholds in a spiritual sense. We can overcome our feuds with other brothers and sisters in Christ or those who may not be a brother and sister in Christ who are just simply causing us trouble. We don't fight in a physical sense. uh, We fight in a spiritual sense because our battle It's not so much against the person as it is against the devil. So Paul says, look, don't forget that we are Christians. Before you accuse us of being unspiritual, we are followers of Jesus Christ. Let's read a little further. Verse 8. For if I boast some more about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for tearing you down, I am not ashamed. I don't want to seem as though I am trying to terrify you with my letters. For it is said, his letters are weighty and powerful, but his physical presence is weak, and his public speaking is despicable. Such a person should consider this. What we are in the words of our letters when absent, we will be in action when present. Paul says here, look, I'm boasting in authority, but it's an authority that God has given me over you. And those who were with Paul, those who were elders and leaders uh, of the Christian community of the time, and still so today. There are pastors and elders that I believe God has put in positions of authority, but what is that authority for? How is that authority to be used? Well, Paul says, Look, our authority, which the Lord has given us, is not for tearing you down, but for building you up. Now, we need to think about what Paul is saying here. His desire was not to tear down the people of Corinth, even though he had come out of with some pretty serious claims in the book of 1 Corinthians, some pretty serious corrections and some instructions on how they were to resolve some sin issues that were going on in the church. But Paul says, even though I have authority, my my authority is not to tear you down. My authority is that in everything I do is to build you up. Now, sometimes, however, that authority, by those who have it, have to be used in a way to deal with situations that may arise. Now, Paul did not enjoy this. We see this if you flip back to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul says, look, it grieved me to write the things that I wrote to you. But it was a grief that I'm okay with because Paul said, the things I said grieved you as well. And it was a grief that led you to repentance. So Paul was rejoicing. He had to say something hard to the people. And it was hard for him to say it, but he was glad at the result because he told them the hard truth, and it led them to repentance. It was a godly grief, he said, and godly grief leads us to repentance. Now, there is a time when those who are in authority must make those hard decisions. Now, when we think of authority, we have to make sure... Those who are in leadership positions, maybe perhaps you are in some kind of leadership position, or or maybe one day will be, or we are all around people who are in leadership positions, and and I would consider uh, being a pastor or being an elder in a church to be a leadership position, but for those who are in that type of position, it's important that that authority is not misused. Now, that's the problem with authority is, boy, you really have to have uh, men who are going to be strong and not going to misuse that authority because typically when people get power, they want to use that power. Now that's a temptation, I would venture to say, for any person who has ever had any power. There is the temptation to exercise that power in a way that may uh, may make you look more like a dictator, if we could say that, where you don't really care about the people but you care about the control. Now, those who are leaders in the church, those who God has given that authority to, uh, we must make sure that we guard against that temptation that the power does not go to the head of the leader. Now Paul had that authority and there are people who have that authority today. Now some people uh, they really want that authority. They look for that position of power. Those people may not be suitable uh, to be uh, people of authority in God's church. They may not be really qualified to be pastors or to be elders. If people are seeking power and they're seeking authority because they want power and authority, chances are they will probably misuse that authority. And so we must be careful that when we do have that authority, if we are in leadership positions, that we do not exercise and use that authority in an evil way. Now, we who are in leadership positions are authorized by God to serve the people. We have the authority to serve the people, to put the people's needs first. But with that being said, there are some times that pastors and elders of churches must deal with situations that arise that are not godly, evil things that are going on, sin that is popping up. Now, that is nothing I would venture to say that that most pastors don't look forward to that. Most pastors probably don't enjoy seeing conflict And having to take a stand and say, no, this is not right. This is not what God's Word says. I would venture to say that most pastors probably do not long for having to take that kind of action and use their authority. But there are times, just like Paul in 1 Corinthians, where that authority must be used. There are times where those who are in leadership in the church, if they see something sinful... That is not a God that is going to cause problems for God's people. There are times when those who are in authority have to speak up. But I would venture to say that a lot of times the pastor or the person in authority that has to speak up are probably a lot like Paul. That is, it grieves them. It grieves them that they have to take action against someone. It grieves them that they have to see someone hurt because of the action that was taken. But those who really love the Lord and love each other, they take an action... Because they desire that the one whom the action is taken against, they desire for them to repent and turn back to the Lord and to turn from their evil and wicked ways. And Paul exhibits that type of heart in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And that's the type of heart that I think we should seek in our leaders and our elders and those who are in positions of power. There are times when our authority... Uh, must be used to correct things that need to be corrected but I don't think it's something that probably as I mentioned most pastors or those in leadership look forward to uh, it's probably something that many uh, dread and those who enjoy exercising their authority and, 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 and calling people out and putting people in the position uh, just to show their power well those people uh, we may need to take a step back and look closer at them to see if they are qualified be in that position of power. Now, uh, we should, as leaders, we should have love and patience and and graciousness and mercy. Uh, That's definitely a part of the qualifications that leaders of God uh, should have. Uh, And we should seek to uh, be good servants of those that we shepherd. That's clear in Scripture, that uh, those who are in leadership should not lord their power over the sheep that they shepherd. That's what... The scripture says. And so uh, it's very difficult for a leader because, boy, there are times when you have to deal with things when you really don't want to. Uh, and there may be that temptation just to kind of let everything go. But that's bad leadership too. If you just show grace and mercy and there's never any correction for sinfulness and disruption that's going on, well, that's going to lead to trouble in the body of Christ. And so uh, a good leader doesn't Uh, overexert their power on the people or or refuse to ever address issues when they arise amongst God's people. Uh, And that's what Paul is saying here. He said, look, I spoke harshly to you because that's what was needed at the time. But Paul says, look, that's not my desire. My desire is not to lord my leadership over you. It's to see that you repent, that you have a godly repentance, that you turn from your evil and wicked ways. And so he says, I boast all the more about my authority. God has given Paul this authority. And God still gives uh, leaders today, I believe, that authority. And Paul says, look, I'm not trying to lord my authority over you, but there are things that need to be corrected. And he had just mentioned one, the fact that people were calling he and those with him out, saying that they were not doing what was godly. And he says, look, I will when I come to you speak with boldness if I have to. But Paul didn't want to have to do that. He wanted the people of Corinth to live right and to turn from their wicked ways. He says in verse 9, I don't want to seem as though I'm trying to terrify you with my letters. Now, easily, people could have gotten that from Paul's letters. If you read 1 Corinthians, you'll see some parts where, boy, he speaks some pretty harsh language about people who are in sin. Language like, and turn that person over to Satan. Now, that's a, a phrase we see a couple of times in the New Testament for those who are living in sinfulness. That this person, if they're not willing to repent, that uh, the people turn them over to Satan. Now, I don't know if exactly, you know, what is meant by that, but Paul is saying, look, if they're not willing to repent uh, amongst the body of believers, then they don't need to be amongst the body of believers until they recognize what they've done as wrong and they repent. And maybe in that season of, of, of being uh, forced from the body of believers, of not uh, not being part of that body because of their sinfulness, maybe they realize, whoa, I have sinned in a great way. Maybe they realize that being turned over to Satan is not as good as being in the presence of God and the people of God. So Paul uses some pretty strong language in 1 Corinthians, language that uh, was terrifying for those people who heard it, And terrifying for us, too, when we read what Paul wrote. But he says, look, I'm not trying to terrify you with my letters. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, For it is said, his letters are weighty and powerful, but his physical presence is weak, and his public speaking is despicable. Such a person should consider this. What we are in the words of our letters when absent, we will be in actions when present. Now, this is an interesting couple of uh, verses here about Paul. Now, we know that Paul's letters are weighty because we read Paul's letters all the time. And we see, boy, that he was a man of God. He spoke things clearly and strongly and with confidence that he was a godly man who was not ashamed to preach the gospel and stand up for the Lord. And we look at Paul's letters and we say, wow, he was a strong, godly man. We can see that by the words that he has written that we still read today. But Paul says, look, those who read his letters said that about him as well. But when they saw him, they said, look, his uh, a physical appearance is weak, and his public speaking is despicable. So when they read Paul's letters, boy, they probably took him serious. Well, we need to listen to what he says. But it sounds as though that when Paul actually came to them, they thought, wait, this guy? We're supposed to listen to this guy? His appearance was weak? I don't know. He probably didn't look like much, Uh, His speech was despicable. Uh, He obviously wasn't a very good speaker, maybe not someone who was fun to listen to. Now, it's possible that we could say that uh, when it says that his speech is despicable, that it's that they simply did not want to hear the words that he had to say. Uh, But I don't believe that that's true. I think that the people probably did want to hear the words that he had to say. Uh, All the rounds that Paul made to all the different people and the letters he wrote back to him, it seems clear that people... Wanted to hear what he had to say, so I don't think his message was despicable, but it says that his speech was despicable here. And so perhaps Paul was not a very good speaker. He wasn't much to look at when he got up there to speak. uh, Perhaps he was stuttering and stammering and not making good points and kind of uh, just kind of all over the place. And maybe he wasn't great in person, but he was great in his letters. And the truth that he spoke in his letters were true. And he said, look, what we are in our letters, we will be in our actions when we are present. So Paul says, look, I may not look like much and I may not sound like much, but I'm going to come to you with just the same boldness as I have in my letters. And so if there's something you are doing that is ungodly, that is wrong, I am going to address that. I am going to correct that. Now, I think it's interesting for us to look at how Paul was here and maybe apply that to our own life. Maybe there are some areas where we are strong in serving the Lord, but that does not mean that maybe we look the part, or at least what people think the part looks like. Or maybe we are not good speakers. I think that there is this there is this thought in our mind that if we are good Christians, then we all must be gifted in what we are able to speak, and we ought to speak, and we all must be able to stand up. And speak the Bible and recite the Bible and be a great speaker and know all these references uh, to be able to be a good Christian and to share God with people. And oftentimes we get discouraged because guess what? God does not gift everybody in that way. And so we don't all have the ability to stand up and speak and string sentences together and make sense and be bold speakers. But just because we're not a bold speaker, just because we don't look the part, or at least what people think the part should look like, does not mean that we can't be bold for the Lord in other ways. Now, Paul was bold for the Lord clearly in the letters which he wrote. Now, don't be discouraged today if you don't memorize Scripture well and it don't come to your mind well. And maybe you don't know the Bible as well as some, or you can say, oh, this chapter and this verse says this. Maybe you know what the Bible says. Maybe you know that it's in there. Maybe you're not quite as quick to find those references as others. Now, we want to know God's Word, but don't be discouraged by the fact that you may not be a genius and can't flip your Bible open to the exact verse that you you want to know. There are things that probably you know are in there and maybe it takes you a little while to find them, but the important thing is you know the truth of God's Word. And even if you don't look the part, don't let that deter you from doing what God calls you to do. Now, it may not be speak, it may just be some uh, action of love that God calls you to do. Uh, It may not ever be that you are to speak in public or you are to pray in public. That may be very, very hard for you. And I'll admit, I'll confess it to you, it's difficult for me to speak in public. It's difficult for me to uh, have conversations in public and to talk to people because I'm just very, I'm very shy. And so it's hard for me to uh, really be bold. I'm very awkward a lot of you probably uh, see that when I talk. I'm never quite sure what to say in a one-on-one conversation or when I run into somebody. And even though I don't always have the words to say, that doesn't change my heart for people if I'm not sure. Well, boy, should I pray for this person now? Should I do this now? Should I say this now? Sometimes there's an awkwardness and an uncertainty about what to say probably for all of us. Uh, but 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 don't, don't think because of that that you are somehow a lesser of a Christian or not Uh, not serving God in some capacity because you may not be gifted to act in that way. You may not be gifted to uh, pray for somebody in public. Maybe you feel comfortable doing that or maybe you don't feel comfortable doing that. But that doesn't mean that you're not praying for that person in private. That doesn't mean that you don't care for that person in private. Maybe you're not good at putting things into words, but maybe Paul wasn't either, at least not in person. But he was good at serving the Lord through his letters. And there may be other ways that you and I are good at serving the Lord through our actions, through the things we do. Maybe we don't feel comfortable praying for somebody in public, or maybe we don't feel comfortable praying in public, period. Or maybe we don't feel confident quoting scripture or speaking in public in any way, shape, or form. But not everybody is called to do those things. But there may be other things that we can do for people to show our love for them. Perhaps someone who is sick or someone who is down. We can make them a meal and not even say a word other than, Hey, I've cooked this meal for you. I just wanted to bring it to you, and I want to let you know I'm praying for you. Maybe you're super gifted in cooking, and that's the way you want to serve. That's just one example, but there are many examples of ways in which we may be gifted to serve. And we need to serve in whatever way we can. It doesn't matter what we look like, and it doesn't matter how good of a speaker we are. Paul wasn't much to look at, and he obviously wasn't a very good speaker. But he was a man who loved the Lord, and he wrote these powerful letters, and he traveled to people and showed them and told them that he loved them, and look at the impact that he had. Now, you and I, we say, well, boy, I can never have as much impact as Paul. Well, maybe you could, or maybe you can't. Who knows what kind of impact any of us will have? I don't know that we will ever know in this world what kind of impact we will have. But don't don't think less of yourself because you feel like you don't look the part. or You feel like uh, you're not a good enough speaker to serve God in some way. There may be other ways that God has gifted you. And if Paul, uh, one of the most powerful people that we see, I think, in Scripture as far as being the man of God, boy, if he, if he was a bad speaker and he didn't look the part and he had such a powerful uh, impact for the kingdom of God, then perhaps you and I could have an impact for the kingdom of God in such a way. Verse 12, For we don't dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commit themselves by in measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves to themselves. They lack understanding. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but according to the measure of the area of ministry that God has assigned to us, which reaches even to you. Now, Paul says, look, you guys want to call us out and say that we are unspiritual, that we're not living godly. You want to think less of me because of my appearance and because of my speaking skills. But he said, let me tell you something. We shouldn't compare ourselves with one another to determine whether or not we are living a godly life. He says, there are some among you who compare themselves to themselves and find themselves to be okay. That is, when they look at themselves, they say, well, hey, I'm a pretty good person. Well, we are all pretty good people when we compare ourselves to ourselves because in our mind, we're pretty good, right? I mean, we're not perfect. We would, Probably none of us would say that, but we're a little better than the next guy. We're a little better than everybody else, and so even though we're not perfect, we're pretty good. And we think, well, God's going to overlook this little thing I do and overlook that little thing I do because, after all, there's a pretty good bit of good in my life and so when we compare our life to scripture and what we consider to be good and right when we compare ourselves with ourselves we find ourselves to be okay because after all we've, 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 we've lived up to what our requirements are because we're already living those requirements because that's what we've determined to be good and Paul says look there are some who are measuring themselves by themselves They're comparing themselves to themselves. Not somebody better, not somebody worse. In their mind, they are probably thinking that they are really good. And when they compare themselves to themselves, they're doing okay. But Paul is telling us that there is a better comparison that we should have. We shouldn't compare ourselves to ourselves. He says in verse 13, We, however, will not both be on measure, but according to the measure of the area of ministry, that God has assigned to us. Now, we are to compare ourselves by what God calls us to do. And more importantly, we are to compare ourselves to Jesus Christ. Now, if there were some who had this uh, mindset, an idea of this is what is right or not right, well, obviously Paul wasn't lining up to what they considered to be right or not right. And they were considering themselves to be better than Paul, and perhaps even better than the truth that Paul was teaching. But our comparison of ourselves as to what is right and what is good can't be by what we do. Our standard can't be based on what we consider to be right. But the standard that we are to live up to has to be based on what God has considered to be right, what God has called us to. Well, are we living up to what we want to do, or are we living up to what God has called us to? Well, our requirements uh, oftentimes allow for a little bit of sin, and that's okay. And so if we're living up to what our requirements are, then we may be living in sin that God doesn't want us to live into, uh, uh, give into. But if we are living to the standard of God, then we measure ourselves against God, and we say, wait a minute, I am far from what God is calling me to. I am far from what God's requirements are. It's not about what I want, it's about what God's Word says. Now, if people who are measuring themselves by themselves uh, and and have determined among themselves what they think is right, then there is a good chance that uh, if somebody comes even preaching and teaching the Word of God, they're going to say, well, that's not right. That appears to be what's going on with Paul here. Now, we can't accuse Paul of not preaching and teaching the Word of God correctly. It's pretty clear that he does, but there were some in Corinth who are accusing Paul of just that. And so Paul says, look, you're accusing me of that because you think you're right in your own eyes. But Paul says, look, I'm living up to what God has called me to. I'm being led by God. I'm being obedient to God. And if you think I'm unspiritual for that, it is not me who has the problem. It is you who have the problem. Because you're not living up to God's standard, but you're living up to your standard." It is not me who is below you, but it is I who is above you in authority, and I'm boasting in what God has called me to do. Now, Paul's not boasting in any of his own abilities or in his greatness. He's boasting in any greatness he has because it has come from the Lord. Any authority he has has come from the Lord. So Paul says, look, don't judge yourself based on yourself. Judge yourself based on what God says. And if you don't like what I say, then, well, you need to pay close attention because what I say is from the Lord. And so Paul is pretty firm with them here. Look, don't judge yourself against yourself, but judge yourself against the Word of God, the Word of God which Paul was rightly bringing to them. Now, more importantly, we have a great example to follow. Now, we can follow Paul's example. We can imitate him because he was a man of God. But there was one who was much better than Paul. There was one who was perfect. As godly as Paul may have been, he was not perfect. But there is one who is perfect, and that is Jesus Christ. If there is a standard that we are to live by, if there is someone that we are to follow, if there there are things that we are to do, then we need not look any further than Jesus Christ is our example. He is a perfect standard. He gives us a perfect example of love, of patience, of forgiveness. Uh, of gentleness, of self-control, all those things, Jesus is our perfect example. And Jesus, of course, has all authority. Now, some authority was given to Paul and even to some leaders of the church today. But all authority is Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate authority. He is the authority that Paul, leaders of the church, or anybody who has ever lived, has uh we look up to and we live by His example because He is the authority. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head of believers. And so we look to Jesus' example. We look to His authority. We look at how He lived life. And that is what we compare our life to. If we ask ourselves and we want to know, how am I doing in life? Am I doing what God wants me to do? Well, look at Jesus. How did Jesus live his life? How did he respond and react in situations similar to situations you go through? Was he patient? Was he angry? Was he loving? Was he hateful? Was he uh, judgmental or was he uh, compassionate? Now, we see all of these things in the life of Jesus Christ and we need to judge our life against those things and see if those things are true. Now, we also need to realize, too, that those things I said were all good things and those were good qualities of Jesus But there were also some instances where he spoke kind of harshly to people, too, when the Pharisees would come against him. Matthew 23 uh, may come to mind. If you haven't ever read that, Jesus is pretty stern with the Pharisees, calling them out for things that they shouldn't have done. In John, I believe, chapter 2 it is, where Jesus turns over the money table. There were times where Jesus had to take action against things that uh, that, that shouldn't have been the way that they were, and he had to be a little firm. In those times. Now, we don't see that very often in Jesus' life. Now, don't get me wrong, in Jesus' whole ministry, we only see a few occasions of that. But there may be a few occasions in our life where we must take action that is difficult. Now, we need to make sure that we don't use verses like that as justification for sin. Uh, But as the Bible says, there may be times that we need to uh, be angry, but not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, when we look at the life of Paul or the life of Jesus, we see these type of things, that there was a lot of love and compassion uh, to to be there for the people. Uh, But there were also those occasions where actions had to be taken. Now, if we ever feel that there is an occasion in our life where an action needs to be taken, we never need to do so quickly. We need to spend much time in consideration and prayer and much time in scriptures to know how we are to react in those type of situations. But generally speaking, when we look at our life, most of the things that we see Jesus do, the things like being compassionate and being merciful and being gracious and showing love to people and not being judgmental and not hating people, these are things that we are faced with an opportunity. Are we going to do them or not? Probably on a daily basis. And that's the example that we go by. That's the one that we say, okay, am I living up to the life of Christ? And chances are that. Probably, probably every day we can look at something in our life and say, Boy, I didn't, I didn't live up to Christ's example in that way. And if we see that we have failed in that way, then we know, Okay, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. And we pray to God. We ask God to give us strength and to help us to get better in those areas. But if we fall into this trap of these Corinthians and we think too much of ourselves, and we judging, and we're judging ourselves by ourselves. Then guess what? We're going to find ourselves as to be good and right, and everything's okay. I'm already as good as I need to be. Why do I need to change? That's the conclusion if we come to, if we judge ourselves by ourselves. We've uh, we've already concluded that everything we've come up with is right. But of course, that's a, 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 a bad road to travel down. We need to check ourselves to make sure we're not guilty of that. Instead, we need to follow Jesus. And what we will find when we seek to live by Jesus' example is we fall short a lot. We all fall short a lot. But even still, we see that we fall short, and hopefully we repent of those things. We see God's Word. We see His instruction. We see His correction. We say, okay, God, I repent because I have fallen short, but I want to be more like Jesus. I want to live like Him. I don't want to live by my ways, but God, I want to live by Your ways, and I repent of my sins. And I repent of being in control of my life. And God, I am going to give my life to you and allow Jesus to be in control of my life. And we call that Christianity. That's what being a Christian is. is to relinquish the control we have over our life. To acknowledge that we are not in control. That we do not know everything. But that God is in control and that he knows everything. And through Jesus Christ and Christ alone our sins can be forgiven. And so when we become a Christian, we repent of our on selfishness, and we trust Jesus Christ alone. Paul says at the end of this passage in verse 18, For it is not the one commending himself who is approved, but the one the Lord commends. Now, when we stand before the Lord, we won't be able to make an argument and say, But God, let me tell you how good I am and what I can do. And God would say, well, that's not right. He said, no, no, no I wasn't that bad, God. It, it, there were people doing a lot worse. What I was doing wasn't that bad. And God says, well, wait a minute. We're not going by your standard. We're going by my standard. And so we can't live up to what we think is right. We can't commend ourselves, but rather we should seek to be commended by God. Now, Jesus gives a story about this in the New Testament. He talks about two men who come to pray. And one man, who is a very religious man, Pharisee comes to pray and he says, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like all the other sinners, that I'm so good, that I'm so awesome. I'm paraphrasing there. And another guy comes and boy, he is a, a tax collector, just a rotten old man that nobody thinks much of. And he comes before God and he says, Oh God, forgive me. What a wretched sinner I am. And he beat his chest and he couldn't even look to heaven. He was so ashamed of his sin. And which one do you think would a way justified Jesus did? Well, the answer should be obvious to us. Not the one who was proud, and even though he was religious, he was not righteous. He was proud and thought he had figured everything out because he was living based on his standard. And Jesus did not commend that one. But Jesus did commend the one who came before him humbly and came before him and said, God, I am a sinner. That's the one that was commended in the story. And that's the same commendation that Jesus wants to give to us today. And we need to look at ourselves and say, am I judging myself by myself, or am I judging myself by Jesus? And when we begin to judge ourselves based on Jesus' example, we will quickly see, I don't live up to that example. And it is then that we come before God and say, okay, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I know that Jesus Christ is is the only one who can save me. And at that point, when we accept Jesus Christ, we are approved by God who commends us. Now, this is good stuff that Paul wrote to us today. There's a lot of stuff that we can uh, take out of this. But we need to, uh, to, one, we need to listen to the words of Paul. Because we may be like the Corinthians, and some of the things that Paul has said, we may say, whoa, that's too hard. I don't... I don't want to accept that or believe that, and that's that, that. happens. Look, it happens to me. There are lots of things I've read in Scripture that I think, man, that is that is a hard teaching. Even the disciples uh, understood that when the, the topic of divorce come up, and Jesus said, "Hey, there's no there's there's no getting getting out of this marriage. There's no way out of uh, to divorce somebody unless somebody has been unfaithful to you." He said that's the only that's the only legal way that divorce should take place, and his disciples said. Whoa! If this is the way marriage is, it is better not to marry. So his disciples recognized that some of the teachings of Scripture were hard. And if you've read the Bible for any period of time, then you too have come to the conclusion that some of the teachings in God's Word are hard. Now the people of Paul's day, it sounds as though they were judging him and not wanting to listen to what he said because he didn't look the part, or he didn't speak good, or some of the things he said, perhaps they did not Agree with. But Paul says, Look, what I'm telling you is from God. I'm a man of God who has been given authority by God, and I boast in God, and I'm not going to shrink back from what I said. I may not be uh, very bold when I come to you in person. I may be more bold in my letters, but I will be bold when I come. If that's what's necessary, I will be bold to address what's going on. So, When we look at Paul's letters, we need to say, okay, are we guilty of what the Corinthians were here? Are we willing to listen to what he said or deny what he said? That may be hard, but we need to listen to what Paul says. We don't need to fall into the trap of comparing ourselves to ourselves, but comparing ourselves to Jesus Christ. And if we find that we are falling short, then we need to repent and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to forgive me. I turn to you and I seek you. So that we would be commended by God, not by our own actions. But we would be commended because we have accepted Jesus Christ and we are following Him as our Lord and Savior. Uh, you're following Jesus today. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you this morning. I thank you for these good words. I pray that you bless the reading of these words. And I pray that you would help us to get something from them. That would have taken away in our heart, God. That even if there is something that we don't understand today, God. Even if there is something that we don't like today. Even if there is something we struggle with today. I pray, God. Maybe maybe they'll come today that you will recall these words and and help us to understand them in a better way or use them in a different way in our life, God. I pray that we won't be found guilty of judging ourselves against ourselves, but we would be found guilty, God, of of living up to the example that Jesus Christ gave. That we would try to follow him in all we can. And when we fail, that we would seek him all the more. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvnme.com. At you can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.